Hello and welcome to Eerie Earth. I'm your host Kieran, and I will be guiding you on your journey through the paranormal. Together we will learn about hauntings, dark tales and much more. So sit back, relax and join me as we explore this eerie earth. In this episode I will be taking you to the Outer Hebrides, a series of islands off the west coast of mainland Scotland to tell you a strange tale of disappearances which are clouded in intrigue and mystery. Tonight I'll be telling you the tale of the mystery of Flannan Isle. The choppy dark sea was foreboding, the waves crashing against the ship as it careened through the icy water, heading towards the lone islands off the coast of Scotland. Three passengers, Donald MacArthur, James Ducat and Thomas Marshall were on their way to take up residence on Eileen Moor, the main island that makes up Flannan Isle, where they were to run and maintain the lighthouse that sat precariously on the rocks of the isolated island. They were nervous as the ship smashed through the water. Thoughts of living on the empty island filled them with trepidation with every second that passed. Sitting at a worn table, the wood splintered and peeling, the trio tried to stave off the thoughts by playing cards. The three men held their discoloured cards tightly in their hands as the ship bobbed up and down. Donald studied his cards intently, trying to decide which card to lay down. He stroked his long, bushy handlebar moustache, chose the Queen of Hearts and the Ten of Spades, placing them on the table, tapping them with his index finger. His two counterparts nodded in agreement. Thomas was next and he laid down seven of clubs and an ace of spades with a look of frustration as he tapped the table and James handed him another card face down. Thomas turned it over to reveal an eight of diamonds. He tapped again. Another card came his way. A six of clubs. He sighed and tossed his card on the table with frustration. James's turn. He laid down a king of hearts and an ace of diamonds, and with a large, toothy grin, barely visible under his bushy moustache. Dealer wins, lads. The trio nodded as Donald poured dark whiskey from the large bottle into three small tin cups and passed them to his cohorts. He raised the cups and they took the shot of liquid it burned in their mouths and they could feel the warmth go down their throats and rest in their stomachs. After a few more games of blackjack and several more shots of whiskey, the atmosphere had turned from nervousness to elation as the men started to sing songs, swaying as they sang, wrapping their arms around each other. All thoughts of the island and their future faded away from their minds as they danced and partied, played games and finished off the bottle of whiskey. After around two hours of partying and drinking, their elation was interrupted by a deep booming voice which erupted from above deck. Island approaching, lads. Get all your things together and get ready to disembark. The trio stopped laughing and dancing and stared at each other as the nerves came flooding back, clutching at their stomachs like a vice squeezing tightly. In silence they packed up their cards, their cups and their packs and slowly walked up the creaky wooden steps to the deck of the ship. Rain battered them as they stepped onto the rusted metal of the deck. The ice cold water cut them like daggers. They struggled to stand up as they made their way to the bridge of the ship where the captain was now struggling to keep the ship steady. The sea is not happy. 
trio looked up and through the heavy rain and wind they could see the silhouette of a large rock looming ahead of them. They all stared in awe at the sight which lay in front of them. As the ship cut through the waves, edging closer and closer, the trio readied themselves. Their mats were soaking as the water crashed against them. Dripping off their hoods, their canvas packs were drenched. After around 30 minutes, the ship pulled up to the jetty, which was rotten and weathered, the sea trying her best to claim it and pull it below the waves. As the captain turned the engines of the ship off, it trundled to a stop, and he jumped out the cabin. His large, bushy white beard was dripping with water as he lowered the gangplank onto the jetty to allow the three lighthouse keepers to disembark from the ship. They walked down the rickety plank onto the even more rickety jetty, which creaked under their weight, which seemed to move with every step they took, the planks of wood crying with each step. Quickly, the men got off the jetty and onto the muddy shore, waving at the captain as he hastily started the boat again and started back into the ocean, disappearing into the darkness and the rain. The trio were left alone on the isolated island. Their only company were the several sheep which called the island their home, but they were nowhere to be seen. The darkness of the island was foreboding, but they had no choice but to make their way through the sodden grass to the lighthouse. The men sloshed through the fields, eventually reaching the brow of a hill where they could see the dark silhouette of the lighthouse towering in the night sky a few miles ahead of them. They all took a deep breath, the wind smashing against them as they walked into the open, causing them to steady themselves. They pushed through the heavy wind and rain, their vision impaired, and they found it impossible to see where they were stepping, often rolling their ankles on loose rocks which poked out of the long grass like pointy assassins trying to claim their victims. Thomas fell several times, landing in a deep, muddy puddle, much to the joy of his counterparts who chortled loudly at their friend's misfortune. After an hour of wading through the long, wet grass, hoping they were going in the right direction, the three reached a stone pathway which led to the entrance of the lighthouse. Almost sighing with relief, the trio made their way to the lighthouse, their pace quickening, hoping it was warmer within the lighthouse than it was outside. The lighthouse itself was surrounded by a white crumbling wall, and three smaller buildings sat at the base of the towering structure. The larger of the three buildings was the keeper's house, where the three men would be living during their time on the island. The white paint which was painted on the wall had started to crumble off the stonework, leaving large gaps, which made it less than inviting. The next building was a storage shed, which contained rope and baskets, among other items the trio would need to help them during their stay on the island. And the smallest of the buildings was a rickety outhouse. The door to the keeper house was locked. A large rusted padlock adorned the door, clattering against the wood as the wind battered against it. Donald approached and lifted the padlock and dropped it again, taking his pack off his shoulder opening it and removing a large rusty key from the bottom of his pack, sifting through his clothes. He closed his pack and slid the key into the padlock, turning it with a loud click, the padlock coming away from the door, falling to the ground with a loud clatter, and the worn door slid open into the large dusty room. Donald stepped in, taking off his mac and hanging it on a wobbly coat hook. Thomas followed and did the same. Finally, James, who picked up the padlock and pulled the door shut behind them, the three men stood in the large, dusty room taking in their surroundings, 
happy to be out of the torrential rain and into the dryness of the room. In the middle of the room was a large wooden table, thick and heavy, which took up most of the space with four rickety chairs tucked in underneath. An empty fruit bowl sat in the middle of the table covered in a thin layer of dust with thin cobwebs hanging from it. On the right hand wall was a large stove, a large pot sat on top covered in dust. On the left side of the room Donald could see three armchairs, leather and weathered, cracked, sitting in front of a large bookcase which was filled from top to bottom with different books of different varieties. A moth-bitten rug covered the stone floor of the keeper's house. In the back were two doors, one which led to a small bathroom which contained a small tin bath and a small sink, and an oil lamp hung on the wall with a black mark stained on the stonework. The other led to a large bedroom containing three single beds. The blankets were folded up and resting on the end of them. It did not take long for the men to get settled into their new surroundings and start work on maintaining the lighthouse. Donald, who was the strongest and the tallest of the three men, climbed the rickety ladder of which led up to the lamp of the lighthouse. He climbed through the small hole in the metal and managed to only just stand up. He checked the level of paraffin in the lamp to see if it needed filling up. Luckily it did not and he was able to light the lamp to make sure the light from the lighthouse could be seen. He climbed back down the ladder and went outside back into the howling wind and watched as the beam of light burst through the dark clouds which hung low over the island, casting out over the ocean, spinning to be casting over the island, illuminating Donald's face as he stared up at the spinning light, pride bubbling up inside of him as he was able to complete one of the several tasks. Meanwhile, James and Thomas spent their time sorting out the living quarters, checking the pantry, Thomas cooking a stew for the trio, and James cleaning and dusting the different rooms. For a week, the trio lived in the keeper's house with not much incident. The weather was intermittent with sunny days and heavy rain battering the island. On one of the most mild of the days, two of the keepers, Thomas and James, went for a walk around the island, taking in the peaceful sight of the sheep grazing on the grassy hill even visiting the decrepit St. Flannan's Chapel, a crudely built stone structure built for the Irish saint, St. Flannan. This left Donald alone in the keeper's house manning the lighthouse just in case something went wrong. As he waited for his comrades to return from their walk, he sat at the table enjoying a hot steaming cup of tea whilst reading his worn and weathered copy of the Bible. As his eyes skimmed over the words written on the thin paper, he heard voices coming from outside the door, whispered and low. He closed his book, thinking that his colleagues had returned from their walk, expecting them to walk through the door any second, but nothing. He stood up with a confused look plastered upon his weathered face. He walked to the rickety door and pulled the rusted handle down. It squeaked as he pulled and the door opened slowly, scraping slightly on the stone of the floor. He poked his head out of the door to be greeted with an empty courtyard, the wind whipping up. He stepped out into the ice-cold December air. The coldness chilled him to the bone. He wrapped his arms around his body to try and warm himself up. He walked to the end of the crumbling wall and looked out over the grassy field in front of the lighthouse but there was no sign of James or Thomas. He shook his head and made his way back to the warmth of the house, but as he approached the wooden door, it slammed shut. Donald thought nothing of it, 
thinking it must have been a strong gust of wind, he went back and opened the door and sat back at the table. A few moments passed and he heard the voices again, but this time the door opened and Thomas and James walked through, greeting Donald. He didn't tell them about the voices that he had heard. The next night, the trio had enjoyed a lovely cooked meal which James spent most of the night cooking. Some soup and some bread which warmed the men up as they discussed what they would be doing for Christmas when they got back to the mainland. Telling of their usual traditions and what they would do with their families, emotions ran high as the men talked about their families. Eventually, the whiskey came out, as did the cards, and the men enjoyed several cups of whiskey whilst they played games, the night ending in high spirits, as the trio said their good nights and went to bed. A few hours passed when Donald was awoken by a strange noise coming from the front door of the house. At first he thought he had dreamt it, but then he heard the sound again, this time louder. To Donald it sounded like a loud scratching noise, but the temptation to stay in bed, warm under the blankets, was too much as he rolled over and tried to get back to sleep. As sleep started to engulf him and his body relaxed, he heard the noise again, this time closer to the bedroom. This caused him to jump up in bed and sit up straight. The noise was loud against the wooden door of the bedroom which sent shivers down Donald's spine. He had turned to see if his colleagues had been awoken by the noise, but they were wrapped up tightly in their blankets, snoring loudly. He removed his blanket from his legs and stepped onto the cold stone floor, his toes recoiling as he touched the rough stone. He picked up the oil lamp from his bedside table and struck a match, lighting the lamp and the room being illuminated in a dull glow. He covered one side with his hand as to not wake his sleeping comrades. He opened the bedroom door slowly, nerves tugging at his stomach, swallowing hard and loudly. He was greeted with an empty room, the large table in the middle of the room still covered with their cards and tin cups filled with whiskey, and low embers crackled in the stove emanating a low heat. He slowly stepped into the room, his feet stepping lightly on the cold floor. He passed the table, avoiding the chairs, the dull glow from the lamp casting shadows all over the wall. As he stood in the middle of the room, taking in the shadows and all of the natural sounds, he was hoping to hear the scratching noise again, but instead he heard very low whispers coming from the front door, similar to the ones he'd heard earlier in the day. He was frozen to the spot. He could still hear Thomas and James snoring in the next room, so he knew it was not them talking. He took a step closer to the front door, and the whispering continued. Nervously, he placed his hand on the cold handle, cooling it down and pulling the door open. The bitterly cold air blew into the door, blowing out the light from the oil lamp, and rain battered the side of the house as Donald stood in the doorway looking out into the empty darkness. He was barely able to make anything out. The sound of the rain battering the island was deafening, and the wind was howling through his ears. Donald looked out into the darkness, his eyes slowly adjusted as a light from the lighthouse illuminated the island slightly. In the field opposite the house he noticed three dark shapes through the darkness, three humanoid shapes staring at him. The light from the lighthouse whipped around again, illuminating the spot where he saw the figures, but nothing 
no one was there. Donald's heart was in his mouth, beating loudly as the light disappeared. He saw the figures again, this time slightly closer. The light came round again and the figures were gone. But when the light came back a third time and the figures were not there, he stared intently into the field, standing in the doorway, and he could feel the hairs in the back of his neck stand up as a deep guttural voice filled his ears. Donald jumped and slammed the door shut, bolting back to the bedroom, nearly tripping over the table as he ran. He jumped into his cot and threw his blanket around him, closing his eyes tightly. For Donald, the sun took a lifetime to rise. The sound of the waves battering the rocks filled the air as the seagulls screeched overhead. Thomas woke up first, trying his best not to wake his colleagues, and went into the main room, lighting the stove. Once the stove was lit, he filled a tin kettle with water and placed it on a metal ring on top of the stove and went outside. As he opened the door, the fresh, brisk air filled his lungs, and he noticed the sheep had moved down to the field opposite and were grazing, the odd baa filling the air now and again. Thomas smiled as he saw a small lamb skip along the tall grass to its mother. He stepped out into the courtyard, taking in the air. James had awoken and come out to greet Thomas as they both watched the sheep for a short time, before James stated that he was going to check the oil level in the lighthouse and disappeared around the wall his footsteps disappearing. Thomas went back into the house and started to pour three cups of tea as Donald emerged from the bedroom, his weathered face long and worn. Thomas asked if he was okay and he replied with a grunt and a nod, taking the cup from Thomas and taking it outside. A few minutes passed and James returned to the house, stating that the levels were fine and asked what was wrong with Donald, saying he was standing on the rocks looking out to sea. Thomas said he didn't know, but he was sure he would come around, probably just tiredness. About half an hour passed and Donald returned and started to fill in the journal. Thomas and James started with some of the other tasks that were needed for the day. The rest of the day continued without incident, and Donald continued to be quiet and kept himself to himself for the rest of the day, much to the confusion of Thomas and James. As the sun began to set over the island, Donald took himself off to bed, stating that he didn't sleep well the night before, whilst Thomas and James sat up playing cards. They did not play for long before James said he was going to bed, leaving Thomas in the living room with the oil lamp flickering away, casting shadows in the wall. He went to one of the armchairs, removing a book from the bookshelf, and sat on the comfy leather chair, and it creaked as he sat down. Before he got comfortable, he removed his pocket watch from his pocket and flipped it open, the clock face stating it was 10.15. He unclipped the watch from his jacket and placed it on the armchair, settling down reading the book in the light of the oil lamp. Before he knew it, Thomas's eyes got heavier and his head slumped against the armchair as sleep engulfed him. Images filled his mind of people standing around him in the small room of the keeper's house. A strong feeling of claustrophobia clung at his lungs as he looked around at the faceless shadowy figures that watched him. The figures inched closer until they were on top of him, turning the room black. A few hours passed and Thomas slowly opened his eyes to find the book he was reading open on the floor, pages down in the spine of the book facing him. He rubbed his eyes and rolled his head, his neck cracking slightly as he straightened up. He stood up and went to pick up his watch from the armchair to find it was gone. 
Confused, he looked on the floor, but it was not there. It was not under the chair either, or under the book. He checked his pockets, but nothing. With tiredness clawing at his being, he told himself he would find it in the morning and went to bed. As soon as his head hit the pillow, Thomas fell fast asleep. The trio awoke to the sound of waves and seagulls, which was a peaceful sound to wake up to. Donald felt better and was in much better mood, greeting his colleagues and offering to cook them breakfast. As he opened the stove to fill with wood and light, he noticed something shining through the burnt wood and charcoal. He sifted through the dirt to find a gold chain, and he pulled the chain and the pocket watch fell onto the stone floor, bouncing slightly. With confusion filling his mind, he pressed the button on the top and it flicked open and the words, to my darling Thomas, come home to me, your darling wife, were etched into the gold. Donald handed the watch to Thomas, who was equally confused. He explained about falling asleep on the armchair the night before and placed the watch on the arm of the chair and was unable to find it when he woke up. Annoyed, Thomas started to accuse the men of playing tricks on him with his belongings and how he would not stand for being treated like that. Both James and Donald were taken aback from the outburst from their friend and explained that they had nothing to do with the pocket watch. Thomas was reluctant to believe them, walking out of the keeper's house to clear his head. Angrily, Thomas stormed out into the courtyard, his footsteps pounding on the gravel as he disappeared into the field. The rest of the day was tense between the three men, with snide remarks and comments to long periods of awkward silences. It seemed that living in close proximity in the lighthouse was starting to take its toll on them. Throughout the day, the men had completed their tasks, ensuring the light did not go out in the lighthouse, doing any maintenance work needed around the complex, and James even going as far as aiming to repair the jetty. He made his way down to where they had been dropped off by the ship only a week ago, to find the jetty was all but destroyed, the rotten wood falling apart at the mercy of the sea. He tried to grab some of the driftwood that was floating nearby, but felt it was too dangerous to be stretching out into the rough waves that he decided against repairing it. Instead, he gathered up any excess rope, wood or debris that was on the rocks, carefully ensuring that he did not slip on the algae-covered stone. Donald climbed up the rusting ladder of the lighthouse, clambering through the small hole in the metal platform. He extinguished the flame which crackled inside of the iron holder, the embers soaring to the ceiling. He scraped out the charred wood onto the floor and brushed out any remaining dust before filling the iron holder with fresh logs. He checked the level of paraffin and noticed that it needed filling up, so he tipped a can, topping up the liquid. He struck a match, lighting the wood, and the flames crackled to life, filling the iron holder with a bright orange. The heat coming from the flames was intense as Donald climbed back down the ladder. That night, the three men did not spend any time together as they had done the previous evenings, each opting to sit in separate areas of the house. Donald in the bedroom, James at the table, and Thomas in the armchair. No words were exchanged for the entire evening and the men retired early. James was the last to go to bed, almost stubbornly refusing to go the same time as his colleagues, so he stayed up reading in the armchair as Thomas did the previous night. As James sat in the chair reading a book, a few moments passed and he decided to go and smoke a cigar outside. He opened the door and stepped out into the crisp December air, and a shiver went down his spine as he stepped from the warmth into the bitterly cold. He removed a cigar from a bronze case that he carried in his pocket and placed it in his mouth 
struck a match, bringing the flame to the end of the cigar. He took a puff from the cigar and the thick smoke erupted from his mouth, the only light seeping out from the front door and from the end of the cigar. He leaned against the wall, smoking the rest of it. Meanwhile, Thomas woke up suddenly from a nightmare. The image of an old galleon smashing into the rocks of the island, people screaming and bodies floating in the water filled his head. The light from the lighthouse had been extinguished and he was standing at the rocks watching the ship sink, not able to help any of the poor souls who were on board. As he sat up in bed, tears rolling down his face, his stomach was in tight knots, twisting and turning. He wiped away the tears and got out of bed. The stone floor was a shock as he navigated through the darkness. He went into the bathroom and splashed some water onto his face to try and wake up. As he leaned on the sink staring into the cracked stained mirror, his eyes bloodshot and dark rings forming underneath them, he splashed his face one last time, drying it on a towel and went into the living room. As he stepped into the room he noticed that the front door was wide open with the wind blowing in. He walked to the door and noticed James leaning against the wall smoking his cigar, the strong smell of cigar smoke filling his nostrils. The men exchanged pleasantries and having a chat whilst James finished his cigar. As the men were talking they heard a high pitched scream on the wind causing them to stop and listen intently. At first they thought it was a bird or an animal and thought nothing of it until it happened again, this time much louder. James pushed off the wall, confusion plastered on his face. Thomas leant through the doorway grabbing their coats and James ran onto the other side of the building looking through the darkness for a source of the scream, but he could not see anything. The scream came again from the rocks, the waves smashing against them sending water cascading over the jagged stones. James shouted into the darkness but the sound of the waves drowned out his voice. Over the crashing, James could hear the screams surrounding him, engulfing him, a pained, blood-curdling scream. He grabbed his ears to block out the horrendous sound as it got louder and louder, falling to his knees, and the wind stopped, as did the screaming, and he was left by the rocks in the darkness, the waves lapping at the shore. As James went out to the rocks, Thomas went round the other side of the building, hoping to find the source of the noise, but could not find anything. The darkness was thick and covered everything in a blanket of black. The horrendous screaming was still loud on the wind, leading him towards one of the open fields. As he sloshed through the long, wet grass, the screaming through the wind was deafening. He reached the brow of the hill and a large gust of wind, which was laced with the sound, blasted him nearly knocking him off his feet. He steadied himself and continued through the grass, determined to find the source of the noise. Donald was awoken suddenly by the sounds of screaming emanating from outside, loud enough to wake him from a deep sleep. As he shot up in bed, he looked around the room to see his bed or his colleagues were empty. Confused, he stepped out of the bed and walked into the living room rubbing his face. He looked around the room and noticed that the front door was wide open, ice-cold air flowing into the room. He also noticed that the clocks had stopped at 2am. He shouted for his friends but he got no response. Suddenly another scream happened again, this time much louder than the one that woke him up. Donald burst into a run and bolted through the living room, 
his foot catching on one of the chairs at the dinner table, causing him to fall to the ground, hitting his head on the stone floor. Pain exploded into his head as he felt the sticky liquid trickle from the cut on the side of his head. The chair tumbled to the ground, clattering on the stone floor. Donald scrambled to his feet and staggered out the door, pulling it shut behind him. He ran into the darkness, disappearing around the wall, shouting for the names of his colleagues, the voice dwarfed by the heavy wind. It would conspire that this would be the last time either of the lighthouse keepers were ever seen again, resulting in one of the most compelling unsolved mysteries in history. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget that you can follow me on all social media to keep up to date with upcoming shows and much more. Thanks again for listening, and as always, bye-bye for now.